This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. Parables of Jesus fall into a number of categories. And the purpose of the parable is to bring to the attention of the hearer, as it was 2,000 years ago, or with us as we are today, a message which has an importance beyond the actual story which is originally given. Now, one category of parables uh, concerns the kingdom of God on earth. Another one com- comprises the uh, matter of judgment uh, of people at the kingdom time when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Another one is the response we give to the good seed of the word planted in the ground of our hearts. And so they go on, each one of a different character. And others uh, have uh, perhaps a moral teaching and relate not particularly to a gospel message uh, in itself, the good news of the kingdom, but to the relationship between man and God himself and how that relationship should develop and persist. The parable of the Good Samaritan, if you'll fills that final category. It's a moral application and an understanding of man's relationship with his fellow man and with God. The parable is just recorded in one of the gospel records and this would be appropriate for Luke was a physician and to have the parable of the good Samaritan and the injured man in his record is perhaps appropriate for a man who was a medical man himself, uh, the man Luke. Now Jesus, as we just read, gives the parable in response to a secondary question put to him by a certain lawyer. So let's go in at um, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse uh, 29. The first question has already been asked and an answer being given then we come to verse 29 Uh, we'll look at the earlier verse in a moment but but he the lawyer willing to justify himself said unto Jesus who is my neighbour so that's the question the direct question which Jesus has to face and he gives an immediate response with the parable of the good Samaritan and the, the original question then we find in verse 26 read verse 25 um Uh, and the answer in verse 26 and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus saying master what shall I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus answers that with another question he doesn't give a straight answer he asked the lawyer legal man to come up with the answer himself what is written in the law how readest thou and he the lawyer answering said thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbour as thyself So he's quoted there in verse 27 from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. He's given a reference there from the Old Testament which this lawyer would be familiar with. And he's quoted these words straight off the top of his head, this lawyer, and says this is what is required, I believe. So the short answer then, which Jesus says, well that's that's fine, um, and... uh, response then comes from the lawyer well who is my neighbour but Jesus he gives the, the answer to the man to say that is good the short answer describes the basis of the 
understanding you must have to inherit eternal life. It's not a basis of legal conformity, uh, but it's a basis of love, of giving, uh, and of being of the right mind and the right heart. And Jesus said, that's the right attitude that you should have. If you have that attitude, then uh, you will inherit eternal life, in effect. But the basis, of course, on obedience and doing what God has said, loving the Lord God, is the basis of love, isn't it? You see, if we think back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were given a commandment, and because at the stage they were given the commandment, they had not got the knowledge of good or evil, their response to God was a matter of love, wasn't it? Are they going to comply with God's law out of love? Are you going to do what I want? Says God in effect. They say, no, we're going to do what we want. And this is the same here, this principle. If you love God, then you'll try and serve him with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul. And so whatever God says he wants you to do, you will do it to the best of your ability. So what Jesus is saying here then, really, is that um, a, a good life isn't just good enough. Remember with Cornelius, again, another example, he was a very good man. And so Jesus is saying to this lawyer, you might uh, have all the attributes of a good man, but unless you love God and are obedient to his word through love, and not because you're a lawyer and you're legally bound to it, through love, uh, then you have an opportunity to inherit eternal life. You see, Jesus could have said, uh, well, do you believe in the promises to Abraham? Do you believe in the promises to, to David? Do you believe in resurrection? Do you believe in sacrifice? He could have gone through a whole list of doctrines, couldn't he? And asked uh, this lawyer, um, you know, giving him a third degree of, of doctrine. But the answer the lawyer gave was sufficient to let Jesus know and bring this lawyer to this main point he was about to give, the parable of the good Samaritan. Now it's interesting in verse 25, and it, it occurs in a, a few occasions in, uh, in the narrative here and also in the next chapter. It starts off, verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer. A certain lawyer. When Jesus uses this phrase, a certain man or a certain woman or a certain place, he usually has something specific in mind without actually referring to it. So a certain lawyer. This was a real man who was having a real question, tempting Jesus, trying to put him to the test and see what he was made of. Um, the uh, 28th verse, after the confession of this lawyer, in verse 27, which we've read, uh, verse 28, Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. The lawyer then quipped back, as lawyers usually do, don't they have an answer up their sleeves. Uh, the, the lawyer quipped back, well, who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour? And the answer of Jesus was immediate. And um, he said unto him in verse 30, for example, Jesus answering said, a certain man. You see, I think Jesus has got something, somebody in mind. He said that a certain lawyer, this is a certain man. It's not just a man, it's a certain man. Went on this journey from Jerusalem down to Jericho. So I think there's something, as we often find with this parable, something a little bit deeper in this parable than first meets the eye. So as we read the parable, and, and perhaps from uh, Sunday school days, early days, the, the lesson seems quite clear, doesn't it? There are some people who you think should do good and don't, and there are others who, d who you wouldn't expect to do any good who do. 
And it's uh, sort of reverse roles, isn't it, of what you expect in life. And that's the lesson which Jesus is saying. The neighbour who does you good is your neighbour. You might have a neighbour who's closer, but if he doesn't do you any good, he's not really your neighbour in the context of this parable. The lesson then again is that the Samaritan, as we know, uh, was hated by the Jew. And therefore one would not expect a Samaritan to have any dealings with the Jews, as is referred to elsewhere in scripture. And so Jesus is putting this Samaritan at one extreme of, of the perspective, of the, um, forgotten the word now, but one end, the end of the uh, spectrum, that's the word, one end of the spectrum said the man you would hate is a man who does you good and at the other end of the spectrum the men who you think should do good the, the priest and the religious people they are not interested in you really so your neighbour might be the man you hate but he loves you sufficiently to help you through these things Jesus then we feel had someone in mind when he said a certain man and we'll just see how that develops in a few moments the first thing then we notice they were going down from he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and that indeed is a downward journey you're going down um, Jerusalem is 2550 feet above sea level and Jericho is 1220 feet below sea level so they're going down 3750 750 feet and Snowdon is 3560 feet so that gives you some idea of the height distance uh, between the two locations they were going, he was going down from one to the other and down also we see figuratively in the parable because Jerusalem was a royal city up here and Jericho was a city which had been defeated by Joshua uh, some 15 years or so earlier the, the particular point then which Jesus makes is that he was the certain man I feel Jesus was the certain man who was on this journey from Jerusalem down to Jericho chapter 10 and verse 30 why do we say this and well verse 30 perhaps gives us part of the answer Jesus, Jesus answering said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead now just keep your fingers in Luke 10 and move back to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Verse 38. The crucifixion. And there were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. Back up to verse 28. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. So we see incidents then relating to this initial uh, assault on this uh, man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Being very similar to the uh, acts which were happening to the Lord Jesus Christ at his crucifixion. He was amongst thieves. They stripped him of his garment and they beat him. The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was wounded as well is also um, particularly mentioned by uh, the parable here in Luke chapter 10 and of course we know that Jesus was wounded in such a way that he died on the cross and this man this man who's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho in the parable is described as being half dead 
And what's the difference between half dead and half alive? Well, one is, if you're half alive, you have perhaps a prospect of being, becoming alive through being healed. If you're half dead, you're halfway to, to being not, uh, not uh, alive at all, I would suggest. And so the parable says, they left him half dead. In other words, they thought he was going to die anyway. So they left him and went on their way. When we come back into Luke chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, and by chance... By chance there came uh, down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him he passed by on the other side. In fact he says there came down a certain priest. They came down. That would seem to me that he was going in the same direction as the Lord Jesus Christ. Or the man in the parable who was beaten. The, um, the direction from Jerusalem to Jericho was downwards. And so this... A uh, certain priest came down. So he was going the same direction as the man who was beaten. And it says he came by chance. And that's, that's a word that's used only once in scripture in the New Testament. By chance. By accident. Uh, as if he, he just happened to be there. Uh, and uh, when he was there he, he saw what he saw and passed by on the other side. And this certain priest certain priest it was a man obviously who should have had religious scruples shouldn't he and morals and when he saw a man who was suffering he should have helped him right away no, no questions asked but of course he passed by on the other side I'll just turn keep again fingers in, in there and turn to Luke chapter 24 Luke chapter 24 and verse 54 uh, wrong, wrong reference there must be chapter 20 no we've got the wrong reference there so well it, it's in an earlier chapter we know then it's about the, the priests uh, getting together and uh, coming to condemn the Lord Jesus and they would be amongst the ones who said away with him, away with him crucify him so a priest who should have known better was one who condemned the Lord Jesus Christ and um, again in Isaiah it tells Isaiah 53 without turning to that it says uh, regarding the Lord Jesus Christ when we saw him there was no beauty that we should desire him and that's what that priest saw he, he saw a man who was in a, in a right state and said well there's no beauty in him that we should desire I have no desire to help this man that's what the priest said and of course the priesthood as a whole said that Jesus should perish they wanted to destroy Jesus that was their attitude so the attitude of this priest said is exactly as it was at the time of the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ no compassion at all didn't like to look upon him uh, as Isaiah said and was happy to see the end of of Jesus because he was a nuisance as far as the priesthood was concerned uh, to their money gaining uh, habits in the temple uh, etc so he passed by on the other side and he was going I feel in the same direction as the man who was set upon by the thieves he was going in the same direction as Jesus in his life he was a Jew and should have known shouldn't he the route to the kingdom but he was going on a, on a journey which he, in which he was blind and didn't know really uh, the direction he was travelling. So by chance uh, he just happened to be going that way. He was not determined was he to follow God's principles. He was doing it almost uh, by accident. Then in verse 33 
um, sorry, verse 32, uh, likewise a Levite, uh, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So we get the same impression. He's coming, he's looked positively at him and said, I don't want anything to do with this man. He possibly thought he was beyond uh, saving uh, and so he went on his way, passing by as far away as possible from him, just perhaps in case he heard this man groan or, or ask for help. He put himself outside the reach of being of help uh, to this man, to the Lord Jesus, in fact, as we are saying in the parable. Then verse 33, a certain Samaritan, you see the words coming again, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, you see, he looked as well, didn't he, on this man who was almost dead, and had compassion on him, was moved with compassion. And as we say, the Samaritans hated by the Jews, and no doubt the, the same attitude was reciprocated the other way. Now, we asked a question, uh, and it's not particularly given here uh, as, as an answer, but we asked the question, was the Samaritan walking in the same direction as the man who, was, who fell among thieves, as the Levite, as the priest? Was he walking in the same direction? Because it doesn't say he was going down anywhere. Was he walking in the opposite direction? Was he coming from Jericho to Jerusalem? Was he going uphill whilst all the others were going downhill? And we, we put that point forward for a reason. In a, again, you see, hopefully in, in a few moments. So it says in the, in the margin of the Bible uh, that he was moved with compassion. He just didn't have compassion. He was moved with compassion. In other words, he felt a feeling inside him. He said, I've got to help this man. I've got to do something about it. And no doubt he took the, the burden off his beast, which he was uh, trailing along behind him, and said, well, I'll carry the burden and I'll put this man on my beast. Let's, let's do the best we can in the situation. And, and if it costs me a bit of extra effort to carry the burden the beast was carrying, I'll do that because I'm moved with compassion. Verse 34. And he went to him emphasizing it and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine that's perhaps what the, the beast was carrying and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him again fingered in that page and just turn back to uh, Matthew chapter 11 Matthew 11 and verse 28 where Jesus says Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So here was this man then, who had been set upon by thieves, who had had everything he'd got removed from him he, he got nothing had he no possessions because they'd been stolen from him and if we locate this with the uh, Lord Jesus Christ then in our parable we see the Lord Jesus Christ he was of the same he had no possessions did he? he had nothing he could offer anybody but he had that offering of the peace of mind the yoke which he would carry the burden which he would carry for you and for me as we journey on through life relating to sin
Back into Luke chapter 10 and we now come to verse 35. And on the morrow. See this, this, this good Samaritan stayed didn't he one night. He didn't zip off and say well that's job done. He stayed. He stayed that night with him. Took, uh, took notice of and then on the morrow when he departed he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again I will repay thee so he left these two pence and two pence we are informed equals half a shekel and half a shekel was the redemption money which was payable by the children of Israel to redeem the males of Israel. So this man paid the redemption money, the equivalent to, in the two pence, and then departed. If we're looking at this then as the Lord Jesus Christ, as the man who was beaten and then went to this inn, and was left then to the host to look after it's almost as if we could repeat the 22nd psalm and say my God my God why hast thou forsaken me this man who received such a battering and had all his goods pinched from him would feel certainly totally um, abandoned wouldn't he just like the Lord Jesus Christ did upon the cross but knowing of course did Jesus that he was not uh, forsaken knowing that God would give him uh, the power of an endless life because he knew he had been faithful to God's word he trusted in God that he would be saved from the tomb so where's he gone then this, this man who's been beaten he's gone to an inn and he's taken care of by a host. So let's just again picture this brethren and sisters. If the inn of this man who was, who was half dead. And possibly was dead by this time almost. He's gone to an inn. It's just like the Lord Jesus Christ going into the tomb wasn't it? He was going into the tomb. And everybody except those who knew him. Would, would ex well even those who knew him the disciples. Didn't expect him to come out of the tomb. This man took him to the inn, possibly expecting that he wouldn't survive. But he said, I'll come again just to check. And, and if I owe you anything more, if you can manage to, to pull him round, I'll give you extra money for, for doing that. So he then asked, well, who's the host? Who's the host? And again, this word's only used once in the New Testament. The host, we're saying in our exposition of the parable, the host is an angel of the Lord. So can we just see then that there are these pictures moving on. This Samaritan, this foreigner, brings the man who's been beaten to a host, the, an angel of the Lord. And he's taken care of in the inn. Interesting as well, I just thought, uh, that when Jesus was born, it says there was no room for him in the inn. That inn, there was no room. But this inn, he was, he was able to go into as the tomb. And that's where he spent at least two days, wasn't it, according to this record. And, and the man said, 
this two pence will do you for the initial period and I'll come back again and, and however long you need to, to look after him I'll see to it well we know that the angel of the Lord performed through the instruction of almighty God the miracle of resurrection after three days so that's how long the Lord Jesus Christ was as it were in the inn in the tomb and we see then what happens uh, from that this Samaritan then said I will come again he could have said job done couldn't he and gone on his way and forgotten all about it but you see the Lord God in, in his dealings with us wants us to have that faith that will revisit the tomb where Jesus laid that we will not accept that Jesus laid in that tomb and did not come out he expects us and wants us to have faith and belief that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that after three days he was healed. The man who had been battered and bruised and left as half dead was in fact alive and alive forevermore. And that's what God wants us to expect of us to believe as we come to him in faith. And that's what this Samaritan did. He had an understanding that when he came again there'd be some more money to pay. And he was willing to do it. Because he believed the host would look after him very well indeed. And as we know, uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was well looked after, wasn't he? Because of his faithfulness and obedience. This man also said, I'll give you this money now. And I'll pay whatever's needed when I come back. Can you imagine what the debt would be when this man came back? When the host of the inn said, well, this man you thought was going to die, but you perhaps thought he might just about live if I worked my best on him, he's alive now, but, but it, it's cost an absolute fortune to get him better. And when you gave me two pence, now, the amount you owe me is tens of thousands of shekels. And this man would have said, well, I can't pay that. And that's again the same for us, isn't it? We owe a tremendous debt for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never repay that debt. We haven't got the ability. Because God gave his only begotten son. And so we then, as this good Samaritan, this foreigner, if you like, when we understand the price that's been paid for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we know we cannot pay the debt. We owe, we owe our Heavenly Father for the love he's shown to us in giving his only begotten son. The debt of sin has been paid for us. Verse 36. Which now, says Jesus, without really having to ask the question, but he asks the question in order to get an answer. That's often uh, happens in scripture. Um, that the answer is obvious, but the question is asked to make the person who gives the answer think about what he's saying. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbour unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. So the lesson I feel then, for us, from this parable, is not that we should just show mercy, but that we should respond positively to the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ the suffering of Jesus you see has given us an opportunity 
to respond to the love of God if this Samaritan hadn't gone down that way then he would not have been able to show his love and compassion would he there'd be no example to to bring to mind but God arranged these things as it were in the parable I know it's only a parable God arranged these things so that the priest went down accidentally as it were then the Levite went down accidentally but this Samaritan went down and positively worked to help the Lord Jesus Christ and so this opportunity was given to him what's going to be your response Samaritan what are you going to do and of course he stands up and gives his response without any prompting of complete love and compassion to someone who he might have thought was his enemy so that's really what we are called upon to do as well to respond to the love of God in giving his son and to do so on the basis, not of like the legal lawyer, well that's what I must do so I'll do it. Uh, just like perhaps we have with the church saying, uh, well you must be uh, christened now so you, time comes for christening, let's, let's get on with that. This is totally different. Baptism, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved and that's the crux of it. So belief comes into it, not legally as a lawyer ticking a box and saying well I've done that uh, and therefore uh, in good line uh, to be in the kingdom of God. So we can further then imagine an application of this parable to ourselves. Taking ourselves then as the Samaritan. Walking not down to Jerusalem but walking up. Sorry not down to Jericho but walking up to Jerusalem. And as we're doing that we're meeting somebody who's coming the other way. He's going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He's a Levite. And what he says to us, he comes up to us as we are walking up, and he says, just around that corner, you're going to find someone who's, I think he's dead, but he's been severely beaten, uh, and so I've, I've not done any, anything about it. I think you might as well do the same as me. Just walk past him and don't bother with him. So the Samaritan takes note of that and carries on walking. Shortly after, another person comes down. He's a Levite. And he meets him and he has a, a discourse with the Samaritan and says, just around the corner, next few steps, you'll see a dead body. I had a quick look at him and there seemed to be no life in him, so I've just passed by and I've left him as he was. I know he's dead. So the Samaritan comes then and he walks those few extra paces. And he turns the corner, he's confronted with a man he sees lying on the road. He sees that his wounds are horrific. He has a wound in his side as if he'd been pierced by a spear. He has wounds in his hands and his feet as if he'd been crucified. He has uh, indentations in his head and blood where it looks as if a crown of thorns has been pushed on his head. The Samaritan stands and looks and he has compassion. The other two had gone by hadn't they and had not taken notice of the wounds that this man had. So we asked the question that are you moved by the fact of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ? When you consider the wounds which he endured and the suffering and the hardship which he had. Are you moved to go towards him and see him? Or are you going to pass by on the other side and say nothing to do with me? See at this stage the Samaritan is just a Samaritan. When he starts to take hold of Jesus, he now becomes a good Samaritan, doesn't he? 
So you in your life, if you're not in, involved with the work of the Lord Jesus, you're like a Samaritan, a foreigner. If you take notice of what Jesus has done for you, then you can become a good Samaritan. Again, fingers resting in Luke and just move to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Verse 12, That at that time ye were without Christ on the other side of the road. Being aliens, as the Samaritan was, from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Well, the others said, didn't they? The Levite and the, and the priest said, There's no hope for life in this man. We've left him as dead. And so he was rejected by them, wasn't he? He was rejected and despised of men. But then we're asked, well, what's your assessment? What do you think of this man who's lying in the road? Are you going to do what you can for him? Or are you going to pass by on the other side? So this Samaritan became the good Samaritan when he decided that there was life in this wounded man. And even though it didn't seem possible for him to live, he took him to the inn. And if the inn represents a tomb in which Jesus lay and the host was the angel of the Lord, then the Samaritan left the situation knowing that God was in control and that things would work out right, that God's will would be done. And to confirm that he said, I'll come back again because I know this is all going to work out right. The Samaritan had every faith in the host. Do we have faith and trust in the work of the Lord God? As we see the signs of the times coming upon us, are we satisfied that God's kingdom is close at hand? Of course we are. We can see these events bringing and leading up to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, can't we? The parable itself ends there then, doesn't it, in, in Luke? It ends. So we ask a few questions then from the parable we looked at. Firstly, do you have compassion for the half-dead man on the road, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we read of him in Scripture? Will you pass by? Secondly, we ask the question, do you recognise that the victim of the crime should have been you? As a human being, a sinner, the actual victim who had done no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, was attacked. We are the ones who are the sin bearers, aren't we? We are the ones who deserve to die, descended from Adam, because of our sins, but he had done nothing. And therefore, in that sense... He deserved not to die, but because, of course, we know he was descended from Adam, that was in the purpose of God that he had to die and overcome sin. But we should still remember that we are the guilty. We are the ones who should have been set upon. But he suffered that for us, for you and for me. We've got away with it, for the time being, anyway. The third point is, having seen Jesus as a lifeless corpse in the tomb... 
or as the Samaritans saw this man in the inn probably almost dead by that time having as we do through scripture seen Jesus as a lifeless corpse in a tomb are we prepared to believe that the host can bring him back from the dead has God got the power to instruct his angel to bring the Lord Jesus Christ back from the dead has he got the power to raise you from the dead if you fall asleep before Christ returns or all the faithful of old who have died down the ages and again we have to say well he has the power we believe that he will return with power and great glory to establish the kingdom and to raise the dead so if that's the case what's our commitment are we going to leave things as they are are we going to find out what the debt is that we owe are we going to return and revisit the scene and say well I've thought about this and what you've done as the Lord God in his purpose is way beyond whatever I could have achieved and therefore I rely upon you to be able to bring me through into the kingdom through your mercy and your not through my efforts but through your mercy and your grace so finally then do you recognise that the debt you owe to God is not a price you can pay in silver and gold but it's the free gift of God who gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life and therefore the lesson of the parable is as the lawyer stated that we should love God with our whole heart our soul, our being, our strength so that when Jesus returns we might receive the blessing of everlasting life in the kingdom to come we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk Christadelphians.org.uk